0: Welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the business mindsets of leaders and brands and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves – We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business mind healthy. To continue the conversation, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Our next guest is an expert in career development, talent management and organisational leadership. He is the co-founder of HR consulting firm Deliberate Practice and he helps aspiring, emerging and experienced leaders to develop their everyday skill set. And he's just written his first book titled Career Conversations, How to Get the Best from Your Talent Pool. Welcome to the show, Greg Smith.
1: Thank you very much, Jackie.
0: Good to have you here. Your first book, congratulations. It's always quite an, an achievement, that first one.
1: It is. Thank you.
0: Was the process uh, easy, hard? was uh, it for you? Well,
1: it took two years, mm. and I, I Googled how to write a book.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> <And>
1: oddly, enough, <laughs> oddly enough, it said uh, expected it to take two years, and from the day I started uh, writing it to the day it was published was exactly two years. So it was a thoroughly, really... a Thoroughly enjoyable experience
0: oh that's good did you have some guidance did you get some some mentor or some advice along the way
1: not really I I just uh, as I said uh, looked at what was available on the internet on, on how to write a book and I had uh, I had this idea for this particular book just dating for quite some time uh, before I put pen to paper but uh, uh, but no largely just uh, got on with doing it which was pretty much what the advice was that I was given
0: Okay, outline and and, you, and start writing. Okay, yeah. Did, did you did you have a process? Like, did you say, right, I'm going to write for 30 minutes every day, or did you go for three hour blocks? Yeah, I and... tried
1: to I tried to do a, a word count every day, um, but there were some days that I didn't make it uh, at all, and other days where uh, the words just flowed. But I'd have to say also, my publisher John Wiley was just terrific um, in guiding me, particularly with the finished work uh, through to. Making sure that it was actually achieving my objectives and structurally was 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 correct and uh, and of course the the expression so but I can't uh, speak enough for for john Wiley and the, and the, the whole team um there in terms of helping me.
0: Yeah, well, they're they're consistently good, so I think you've you've chosen you've chosen well there. Now, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it very much. I found it really easy to read, uh, and there was a couple of elements there in it that I found particularly attractive. And uh, one it was chapter three, fit your own mask first, and you use an Oscar Wilde uh, quote, which I do like. This one, be yourself, everyone else is taken. So, can you just tell us a little bit about what you mean by fit your own mask first? sure
1: well like with any leadership activity um it, it, you know it, it, there's a lot that's spoken about being comfortable in your own skin to be a great leader and that's so true uh for being a career coaching leader so to, to be able to help other people um and help them with their own self-awareness it's, it's, it's you know you really need to be uh pretty in touch with your own um, capabilities and attributes and values. Um, and in that way, then you can help others do that. So that's why I had that idea of fit your own mask first yeah, um, before you start important. trying to help other people.
0: Yeah, and I think that's somehow overlooked a lot. Have you had a, is, is, is that your experience? Uh, yeah, surprisingly, um,
1: hmm. you know, the work that I've been involved in with uh, very, very senior leaders who, who find um, starting from that position of actually having a good look at their own uh, capabilities and attributes and, and, uh, and competencies and values, that they find it quite a cathartic experience and thinking, gee, I've often had it said uh, again by senior leaders how um, enlightening they've found it and, and they wish they'd done it a number of years earlier.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really key. And you talk about listening, and there was one uh, heading that you had that uh, really took my attention, and I loved it. it. Was persuade with your ears? I had never heard that before, and I thought that was that was <laughs> wonderful. So tell us a little bit what you meant by that.
1: Well, I think uh, if you know, listening is one of those skills that you never stop learning to to develop, and that's why I don't like attaching a. A number a rating to it in terms of how good is your listening skills because of your listening skills because um i, I think if you know wherever you rate yourself you, you know if you if you said rate yourself four out of five you think well i'm nearly as good as i can be but i think but i don't i'm not a fan of that because i don't think you ever should stop developing that skill it should be a lifelong journey no matter how good you are now i think if there was something that you'd take away from, from even today's conversation, Jackie, it'd be, it would be just that, you know, really focus on developing your listening skills. And I've got a saying that um, you don't know the question you've asked until you've actually heard the answer to it. And, and I think that's so true. And I think if you can have your radar up and listen with more than your ears, so, you know, watching for people's animation and their body language and their tone of voice, etc., are all important signals in terms of what they may be trying to convey to you more than the actual words they use.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great insight. Uh, the other area, and I suppose I had a, a, a personal interest in this or a professional interest, was about mm. what's your personal brand. Mm. So just tell us a little bit about how important a personal brand is, not so much for a entrepreneur, but an employee. So why is it important for an employee to have a personal brand?
1: Well, it's really, really quite critical. And the reality is everyone's got a personal brand. They may not even know what it, they may not know that, but, but they actually do have a personal brand. And so it's it's a way of expressing what you what you stand for. Um, and uh, And that goes right to the to your values, most importantly. And the applications for it uh, nowadays is, in, particularly in social media like uh, LinkedIn, for instance, as a professional network, mm. it's really critical that you um, manage your own brand and, and make sure that the perceptions are matching reality. And the best way to do that is to take charge of it yourself and not not let others craft it for you, but actually craft your own brand because it's gonna, it's going to effectively be what you stand for and that will impact on uh, what potential employers may see in you or perhaps potential clients of your business may see in you. Um, So, it's a really, really critical aspect to to develop and and, uh, cultivate and we're very familiar with product brands, but uh, when it comes to our own personal brands, we, we don't pay or sometimes we don't pay as much attention to it as we should.
0: Yeah, default or design. People will uh, will will come up with that either way. So design's right. always going to be the preferable route, I'd say. Uh, yes. And also with with employees, if you're looking at, if uh, if you're ambitious within within an organisation or just wanting to get noticed or wanting to sort of get out there, um, sometimes your own perception of yourself can be quite different from how others see you. So how um, would you advise an employee to get feedback from how other people perceive you?
1: Well, there's some really, really uh, uh, standard ways of doing that. If you're a leader now, you've probably had a 360 done or maybe you haven't, but mm-hmm. that's that's a, that's a great place to start, yep. having a 360 degree survey conducted. Um, and you know your organisation may routinely do that already but if they don't, I'd perhaps suggest doing that um, is a great way to do that. And also just talking to other people, just ask them, what are your perceptions? And um, looking at what people write about you and, and uh, what they post on on social media, for instance, another other valuable sources. But in a leadership context, certainly 360-degree uh, feedback survey is a great way to, to get some very direct and objective feedback.
0: Yeah, another, another idea I suggest is, uh, you mentioned LinkedIn, is to ask for testimonials and then start looking at the, the, particularly the verbs or adjectives that people are using to describe you and start looking for some common threads and that might then give you an insight. Into it as well. Um, That's now, a terrific yeah. idea, Jackie. Yeah. So, speaking of LinkedIn, Greg, um, I noticed there, and, it, and it's always been a topic of interest for me, and, and I can never, I always have this disagreement with a number of LinkedIn experts that can never agree do you write your LinkedIn profile in the first person or do you write it in the third person? What's your <laughs> view?
1: <laughs> well, my view is um, is, is to write it in the first person. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike. Um, Perhaps uh, a resume, for instance, which is not which I'm not a fan of, of writing in the first person. But in, in a LinkedIn um, profile is really really important, and it's a way of you actually expressing or letting the readers know what you're really all about, and letting them get to know you a little bit. So a resume is more of a statement about your capabilities and where you're targeting your career and what have you. And a LinkedIn profile is that as well, but it's actually, I think, it's an opportunity to uh, be far more personal about what you believe in and your, you, you, you know, uh, what. You know, well, I put in my um, LinkedIn profile that careers and leadership fascinate me, for instance, and I probably wouldn't write that in in a um, a resume, for instance, where I'm talking more more to capability. Mm-hmm. But I, I would definitely, uh, my preference is first person, and let the right, in a way that readers can actually get to know you as a person.
0: Yeah, I might need to go back and revisit because I had it in first person. Then LinkedIn experts said, oh, you've got to write in third person, Jackie. <laughs> so I did that. I might need to go back and revisit. But I think that's that's the message there is not just to write it and leave it, is to, to keep it up to date and re- revisit it, refresh it.
1: Yeah, I, I think some people make the mistake of just somehow doing a cut and paste from their resume into their LinkedIn profile, mm. which I definitely wouldn't recommend. No. So, it's, as a, coming back to your point about personal branding, it's a, it's a very really it's a really powerful way to personally brand yourself, um, and uh, perhaps to have a look at my my uh, LinkedIn profile, and you'll get a bit of an idea of, of what I think about it. And, and it's a really powerful branding tool.
0: And now, part of your book you mentioned, who's uh, I'm a big fan of his work, Malcolm Gladwell, yep. and you mentioned his work on The Tipping Point. Just quickly mm. tell us about that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I really... Uh, tipping Point was written uh, a, uh, a number of years ago now, um, but I think it's still really current. It's often quoted. You'll hear it uh, being quoted in all sorts of different forums now. Uh, um, as the, the, the so called tipping point, but it's, it was coined by Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell. And he spoke about it in his book, uh, of the same name as a way, at uh, uh, the point at which something becomes an ep- epidemic. And he spoke about it in terms of health epidemics or in ter- terms of, um, or fats, uh, that took off. For instance, he gave an example of, uh, hush puppies which uh, many of your listeners may not even remember, but the um, they were down to apparently their last 30,000 pairs. And a small cult group in Greenwich Village uh, happened to adopt them, and suddenly the whole brand took off again globally. And, it's, um, and he picked up on these themes and patterns that would occur and reach this uh, so-called tipping point where it would really accelerate. And in an organisational context, I'd often think about it as a way to get a ripple through an organisation. So, as a particularly in a low energy way uh, of getting the ripple through the organisation um, of, of what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to develop, and and therefore hit uh, you know that so-called tipping point. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's great. All his work is, is really great. Yeah, um uh, highly
1: recommend it. The tipping yeah. point, despite its age, is I would highly recommend uh, your readers to... Enjoyable reading, even if you've got no interest in the subject at all. Yeah. Um, it's just an enjoyable couple of hundred pages.
0: Well, it's a bit like um, Dale C- Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's still relevant. It's probably more yeah. relevant than when he wrote it. So yes, indeed, uh, yeah. uh, it's all interesting stuff. And in your book, we better get back to your book, Career Conversations, Greg Smith, How to Get the best from your talent pool. Really enjoyed it. Those that want to find out a bit more about you and find where to get the book, they can find you at deliberatepractice.com.au and I believe that you hang around on Twitter and also, of course, your LinkedIn. You've got to look at your LinkedIn (laughs) page. Tremendous. Thank you, Greg Smith, for your time today. Thanks so much, Jackie. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying eavesdropping on these interesting conversations. We'll be right back after this. The Frankston Arts Centre is a unique premier arts and performance venue, providing cultural experiences for visitors looking to enjoy theatre performances, live music, community programs, exhibitions and new media. Established in 1995, the Frankston Arts Centre is an inclusive venue, offering performances with live theatre captioning, disability access and much more. Local schools, theatre companies, arts groups and artists also to use the facility regularly. The Frankston Arts Centre is committed to continuing to provide the community with the ultimate arts experiences. The station sponsor.
3: Dinor Homewares have been servicing the kitchen and dining needs of the Mornington Peninsula for five years. Dinor Homewares pride themselves on a wide variety of quality brands, excellent service, and the right advice, plus loyalty discounts, seniors discounts, lay by, and free gift wrapping. At Dinor Homewares, they put the customer first. Visit denorhomewares.com.au or drop into shop 326 McLaren Place, Mornington. Phone 5976 8868. Denor Homewares Mornington,
0: a proud station sponsor. At Coastcom Security, we offer a complete package covering all your security needs, whether it be your beach or country property, your city residence, your office or your commercial premises. There isn't a property in your portfolio that Coastcom can't secure 24 hours, 365 days a year. Now you can truly relax at work or play. Contact Coastcom Security today on 1300 844 844 and relax. We're there when you're not. A station sponsor. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest is a transformational coach, leadership development for organisational culture, an executive change manager and author. He is director of Corporate Alchemy. Welcome, Peter Shields. Hello, welcome. Oh, Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Welcome to me too. That's very nice of you. Thank you. Now, (laughs) I have been reading your book and I'm going to start straight off the bat. It's called Leadership Alchemy and I like the fact that it's like the brand connection with your business, Corporate Alchemy. So tell us a little bit about Corporate Alchemy before we start talking about your book.
3: So, yeah, I work as a, as your intro suggested, uh, helping leaders understand their own beliefs and assumptions and transforming them to something more effective for individual and then extended to the collective leadership so businesses can nail their purpose and vision.
0: So, how do you define transformational leadership?
3: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. There's, most of us are set up. Um, to be good at leadership or good at management and I, I do love that old leadership um, book good to great and the author there Jim Collins identified the difference um, so I sort of help leaders identify what they see as great leadership and allow them to set the transformational agenda based on their perspective I've, I've learned over the years that the ego is a really resistant and powerfully resourced defense mechanism so now I I help them and their team identify what is great leadership and then assist them to transform from where they are to where they say they want to be.
0: Yes, I noticed uh, in reading your book and I'm halfway through and I'm absolutely hooked and I read a lot of business books. Uh, I try to also read some fiction to balance out my creative and my brain, just to give it a right. bit of a rest. But I do get a scent a lot of business books, uh, and and sadly, I get a bit upset when it's sort of the same thing over and over and over again Uh, and so I'm always looking for that little bit different some different thinking some real thought leadership and then I came across your book and I must admit it sat there on the shelf for a while because it's quite thick it's got um, 400 pages and most sort of business books are about you know 100 200 or something like that or less with, with lots of pictures and I've gone I've had a quick flick through your book and there's no pictures in there there's no flow charts there's no matrix matrix and then I'm thinking what's going on here and then I realise it's a novel and you've actually and it, it's incredible Peter I, I'm really impressed you've actually made a business book into a novel much like historical fiction does so I love historical uh, fiction whereby it's based on the reality of Henry VIII or something and then someone like a Philippa Gregory will write it in the first person from one of his wives and then fills in the gaps of what life might have been like and so you're learning history but you're, but you're learning it in the you know um, tried and true way of storytelling so you've used the power of storytelling to teach, to teach about leadership and to teach about business, and uh, I just think it's it's wonderful. Congratulations! And what what? How did you come up with that idea to actually make it into a story?
3: I, I like you, am a little tired of case study driven academic or um, sort of dogmatic style leadership books. Uh, I read them, I get across them, I. Um, and I wanted to bring adult development theory to life. I'm a big fan of Keegan and Leahy's research and um, how that relates to leadership. So I wanted to bring it to life with story and then and, and see myself as a bit of a translator. I'm, I'm across the academic, I'm not an academic, but I do uh, you know, leverage their perspective to, to reference my own thoughts. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring it to life, especially for men um, who might be in their mid-40s, might be coming into the prime of their leadership career, that have an absence of role models to remember from the 80s and 90s that that would be relevant for modern leadership. So much has changed and yeah I really wanted men to understand that and I I also wanted younger diverse perspectives on leadership, Um, the obvious one being from females. I wanted them also to have a bit of a role model for how to navigate the old bureaucratic and the old um, hierarchical systems that arguably uh, set up to help them fail uh, so I wanted to help men and I wanted to help younger leaders who are thinking differently especially for young women
0: yeah well I think you've you've done that balanced you've really balanced that perfectly. I, I've, I read that and I quite often it's very sort of male dominated but the reality is a lot of business is male dominated. So there's that balance of we need to introduce more female role models for more female leaders but we also need to keep it real. Uh, so there's that reality versus aspiration and then you also want to bring the young people up. Uh, that then people that are older, so they've still got value. Just because you turn 65 or 70 you then go, well we'll throw you on the screen scrap heap that's such a waste as well and uh and I think you've balanced that really well and your first uh the first line or the first paragraph of the book I'm going to read this out just to just to tease everyone because (laughs) this first paragraph I thought you and you're a natural obviously a natural storyteller it says here this is the first bit I've always been in control this is from uh, your character, Ben, who's 82. Uh, he was the uh, CEO and founder of a big company. He says, I've always been in control. I've always found a solution to every problem. But now I feel like an uprooted weed, torn from the garden of life, abandoned on the lawn, awaiting death by mower. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a, a lovely way to start, and that's a real, a real issue. Um, did, did you have you always liked writing stories? It's from school. Did you like reading and writing? I, I love historical fictions as well, and
3: um, especially if they have a frivolous side and a bit of. Um, I, I love the license to be able to write fiction. Um, I've written three books before. This is the first I've published, and. Um, yeah, so I've, I've always loved storytelling. I I sadly flunked English and went down to what we used to call in the old days veggie English just to hang out with my cousin. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I sort of wish I went on and um, studied three-unit English and actually understood more about more about it but uh, maybe it's time
0: to learn that now. Well look I, I certainly will encourage encourage you to do that Peter. I think uh, this is absolutely filled a gap and that's the marketer in me I got very excited about the concept but then I started really enjoying the the story as I said I'm halfway through so I'm looking forward to see what happens but I have to ask you about the characters and I am speaking to a lot of authors so did you model these characters on anything about yourself or people that you know?
3: Uh yeah, yes. Yeah, so I'm trained in creativity psychotherapy, which is the Jungian approach to psychology, and um, all about drama and theatre. And I learned there about the idea that we all have sixteen archetypes, and um, yeah, each of these characters is an archetype representative of my inner uh, fears and angst and issues, and also my uh, my idealized, you know, um, ob- objective and better integrated characters and feminine sides. So, yeah, they're all all a part of me, terrifyingly
0: enough. Well, I noticed that uh, you've got a a background in in psychology, but also that you refer to neuroscience. And neuroscience is one of my keen areas, particularly neuromarketing. And Mm -hmm. one of the... I suppose foundations of uh, neuromarketing is the concept of similarity. That if people can see something similar in another person, it helps them improve communication and likability and things like that. And as I was reading this some of these things have happened to me I'm reading them going when Angela was in the boardroom and yeah. she's having that boardroom conversation I've had that conversation that's happened I didn't quite I didn't perform as well as she did as in the book but uh, but I could relate to that and there was so much in there all the issues because she's the coach Ben's the, the business owner Angela's the, the business coach and his advisor and, and confidant uh, but you know even to have someone like that around and, and I just I just like the way that you've actually built that uh that story around but but the bit that i was most interested in was about this shadow aspects which you just touched on then this shadow aspects of leadership psychology just tell us a little bit about what that is
3: yeah that's a carl jung idea who popularized the the concept of we all have a ego which is an identity and 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 we all have an ego shadow that that which i disowned about myself um, and therefore don't see in myself. And the curious thing about it, though, is I start to see the issue with others, um, and this is called the projection of the shadow. The, the line that lands it best for me, uh, Jackie, is that as I look out, I don't see people in the world. I see myself projected onto people in the world. And, and I find that as a deliciously dangerous concept for my self-awareness especially if in service of an organisational goal, um, and especially if I'm overwhelmed and stressed, it's um, a really powerful way to help leaders take self-awareness to another level and consider that the things that frustrate them about others and the system and the government and the the industry, etc., could potentially just be something that they've carried into the room.
0: Uh, ex- look, there's so much. I think there's a whole other conversation here, Peter, so I might have to get you back. But there's another paragraph I'm going to read out, which uh, I thought was, again, such a great insight into humanity, into human behaviour. Uh, and you said it says here, I'm just trying to think who said it. Was it Angela or Ben? Um, I think it might be Angela. But anyway, it's the, the, the concept here is being human is nature's joke on us. She has given us the most complex phenomenon that ever existed: human emotion. It's the window to experience of all nature's paradoxal forces. And to top it off, we were also given an awareness device, the mind, with which to observe it. And then that—that—that that, that is so good because that observation, uh, interestingly, is where it leads lots of opportunity, but also leads a lot of problems. So you've got that. The, the dark side and the light side and there's the, 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 the shadow and the light and trying to find that balance between it. Wow, thank you for um, for picking up on that and um, I'm sometimes jealous of the reptiles and, and
3: arguably the lesser mammals they, uh, and the birds, they, they just operate in the fight-flight-freeze response and yet we have all of that complexity and then on top of that the neocortex, the to assess and to judge, and then all feelings in the middle—it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful burden to be uh, alive. <laughs> and, and now with the internet and the, the social media, we've got access to everything everyone else is doing and thinking and aware of. It's, um, yeah, I find it really humbling to to slow down and, and see and experience that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny you talk about the jealous animals. I look at my dogs all the time and think I want to come back as them. <laughs> I want to be one of my dogs. Oh, ha- to be a, yeah. Ode to be Ode a dog, to,
3: yeah. Oh, to be a laptop.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, just, just that whole, you know, how excited they get when they get their meals every day. And I must admit it, it grounds me a little bit when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed. And I look at them and think, God, just stop for a minute, Jackie, and really take in what's happening right now. I suppose it's that Eckhart Tolle philosophy of the power of now. Stop and stop <laughs> thinking so far ahead and stop looking back. Uh, but, you know, look, it's a, it's a constant struggle. But I think... We're getting better at it with people like you around, uh, these books being written, social media, if there's some good messaging going out there, and also the latest evidence-based findings in neuroscience. They're finding more about the brain now than they've ever had. So hopefully that will lead us to greater growth and not greater destruction.
3: Right, yes, there's so many um, amazing positive things happening. And and, and curiously, and, and it's been history, uh, history holds this as evidence that... Um, the media and, uh, likes to leverage all the negative, but boy, there's so many wonderful things going on, uh, even though governments might be trying to hang on to the uh, old ways. Um, industry, creative leaders, young
0: leaders, um, social media is helping. Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time. Yeah, it is, it's very challenging. Well, Peter Shields, it's been a delight talking to you. Congratulations on your book, The Leadership Alchemy. I'm assuming it's available where you can buy books.
3: Uh, it is, and yeah, your, book, your bookstore. If it doesn't have it, um, they can order it, and um, yeah, you can buy it online as well.
0: Excellent. And if people want to find out a bit more about you, they can connect with you on which platforms?
3: Uh, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm. I'm not really into the Facebook thing right now, but LinkedIn definitely. I'm available. Um, but also, my website uh, is, is is an easy way to to connect with me and and have conversations.
0: Okay. Your website is
3: www.corporatealchemy.com.au. And that's Alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y.
0: Corporatealchemy.com.au. Peter Shields, thank you very much for your valuable time today. Really enjoyed it. And thank you for being part of Taking Care of Business.
3: My pleasure, Jackie. Thank you so much, and um, have a wonderful have a wonderful week.
0: Yeah, I will. I love sharing the knowledge right here on Taking Care of Business on Adult PFM. We'll be right back after this. Our next guest is a global thought leader in commercial strategy, and she's one half of the strategic and creative team behind the most successful new product launch in Australian history. Wow. She has helped entrepreneurs build internationally successful businesses and work with some of the world's most influential organisations. What a CV, what an intro. I'm really excited and looking forward to having a chat with and welcoming Kieran Flanagan. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Now, I have to ask the first question that you're involved with. Uh, The successful new product launch in Australian history, what was that? I know, it's very mysterious, isn't it? It is. not it Without
2: telling you what it was. I know. Uh, It was Coke Zero. It, oh, was. it was Coke Zero, right. Yes, most successful new product launch in history in Australian history. Um, they sold their annual projection well, within, I think, two or three months. and It had actually failed in uh, the US and in Canada prior to launching in Australia, and they almost didn't launch it here. It was such a dismal failure in the other countries. So we were third to go, and... Luckily enough, we did something completely different to the other countries. And uh, anyway, it launched here and was very successful, and they then took that strategy back around the world to launch uh, in the other countries successfully.
0: So what did you do differently? Do you know what? Quite a lot of
2: things. Initially, the American market had essentially made it uh, a bit of a Diet Coke, so it still had quite a female target, and we went for a male target. Um, the can was black here. The can was white in other markets. Mm. Uh, so it was very different. It was it was aimed at men. It was a it had a very different tone to uh, Diet Coke. So it, that's what made it successful, taking a very masculine approach and saying men want to have a no sugar drink as well, even though women can drink it too, of course. But yeah. uh,
0: Uh, having to work with a iconic brand like coca-cola you know when in in brand and advertising world it's always one of the sort of top three brands that uh particularly as you're starting out i oh, so hope i hope i get to work for a coca-cola uh what was it like working from them from a from a brand perspective and having them as a client
2: look you know we had the privilege of working with them for know, 10 15 years we we worked for them for a really long, long time on many of their launches and brands. And I think one of the most amazing things about working with a company like Coke is that no matter their scale, is that they're always incredibly ambitious. They were always looking, how can we do something better? How can we uh, improve our, what we offer? How can we connect better with our customers? And I think every day you show up to work with them and be looking to answer those questions. They're always looking for growth and improvement. And I think that's a really good lesson. It doesn't matter how big or small our businesses are, we should always be looking to do stuff better. I think that's that probably for me was one of the best things about working with them.
0: Yeah, success leaves clues, doesn't it? And that's certainly one that uh, anyone listening now from an entrepreneur, small business owner, working corporately uh, can certainly take out of it. And that's great. Thanks for sharing that story. I knew there was going to be a good story, Kieran, behind (laughs) that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, the next bit of the story is that you have written a book called Forever Skills, the 12 skills to future-proof yourself, your team and your kids. And you've done that with Dan Green. Gregory. And anyone listening, and a lot of our listeners are great fans of the Gruen Transfer, and they will know Dan Gregory from the Gruen Transfer. How did you and Dan uh, co-author this? So, did you work together?
2: Yes, we're, we're business partners. We have a business together, and we've worked together oh, for just over 25 years wow. now. Wow. Yeah, I know, really long partnership. Brilliant. So, he said he will have to have me killed if I ever try to leave that work partnership. We're yep. not married yep. uh, because
0: I know too much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, is this your not, first not book? Literally, have me killed. But, you know, <laughs> I know, I know. Figuratively, yeah. <laughs> So, is this your first book? No, we've written. This is our third book, but right. uh, yeah.
2: So, we co-author most of our stuff together, and uh, which I think is really nice to have again a partnership model to make sure the thinking is rigorous. And we interviewed a lot of people for this book. So sometimes I feel a bit bad because there's a whole lot of collective wisdom in there. So our names go on the cover, but there's an awful lot of clever people's knowledge and wisdom in that book.
0: Yeah, well, I was pleased to see some research-based. How many many people did you interview? How many? Uh, Hundreds? Oh,
2: gosh, hundreds. Hundreds. some, Some, you know, in different ways. Sometimes it was audience polls and questions given to, you know, Five hundred people at a time. Surveys. Some of it was, you know, face-to-face interviews. Interviews we've been doing for years. Some of them we didn't, you know, we had stories that we'd gathered from conversations from the past decade or so, really. Mm. Uh, that we've. It's all melded together into
0: the book. And so you've said here the twelve skills. I have to ask why twelve. <laughs> it's an excellent question. There. Look, to be honest, there could be
2: more than twelve. But for the ability for people to hold and transmit and learn from them, you know, twelve is a good number for human beings. Uh, it sounds—it's empirical. It's, you know know—we're used to operating in twelve, mm. so we decided to limit ourselves to twelve. But look, people will find the concept of forever skills. They will be able to look and see more in their own world, and some of them we've collapsed uh, into others. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. But otherwise, and
0: we yeah. could have gone on forever. Yeah, I know. And then you probably put people off completely because uh, it would yes. just be too overwhelming. But I do like the fact that you've combined uh, Future Proof uh, yourself, your team, and your kids. And I like the fact that you've combined work and home together, this sort of balanced, uh, you know, it should be blended now. It needs to be, which is always one of my things about it, it's all about blended work workplace, uh, you know, family life, uh, work life, social life. It's all your life. It's one life and about sort of blending it all together. Uh, so is, was, was that the sort of premise of, of including the, the home life in that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, for us, we think that the work-life divide is an artificial divide that potentially served us once upon a time. But, mm. no, as you know, as our digital devices and our home lives, uh, come together I agree that we blend them mm. uh, and we you know the book's got an unusual I guess frame in it and we speak a lot to uh, people in companies but you know their parents <laughs> so a lot of the conversations are about the business or the, you know, the small business or the large big corporate business but it's also about education and their children and the conversations are the same so you know, what are we going to do we're in panic we're facing this tsunami of change we're afraid really quickly and we just wanted to put a book into the marketplace and and more importantly an idea into people
0: That focus on the things that won't change within us. Uh, I think that's a, a really, really useful uh, useful element in that whole book. I enjoyed that very much. Uh, Kieran, what do you think uh, as we sort of in, in work into the future uh, from a business, business perspective as well, what are some of the key human skills that uh, we'll need to develop or at least focus a bit more attention on?
2: Look, you know, as we like to say, you know, if you can replicate it, we'll automate it. Uh, so the things that aren't easily replicable, that take individual response and individual uh, judgment. So if they're not cookie cutter things, so things like communication will be always important, always has.
0: Now, I did notice when I was doing a little LinkedIn stalking in preparation for today's <laughs> interview uh, that there's uh, you're involved with something called the Impossible Institute uh, and uh, you, with your background, of course, you're, I'm hooked, you've got me. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the Impossible Institute is? Well, it's
2: a, it's a training and development company, so we help organisations, big and small, uh, learn to think differently, to do change differently and, you know, to to just change what's possible for themselves, their company. We like to
1: uh, teach a lot of skills and a lot of thinking. So it's a really fun uh, education training company.
0: Yeah, what's what's one of the biggest uh, roadblocks or barriers at the moment with the C-suite in change?
2: Oh, look, I think just the constant rate of change. Mm. And human beings, we're wired not to change. So, obviously, we physically change, but emotionally and physiologically, our brains particularly are wired to repeat. It's made us incredibly successful as a species. We've been, you know, we, we're designed, we're pattern-making machines and um, to endure constant change, not get to a reset and forget. So, you know, we go, okay, it's so, a okay, okay, so big change, and we reset. But at the moment, we're not being given that opportunity. We, it's just constant. And I think the C-suite, everyone's over it. You know, change fatigue is a thing. People are just exhausted. The word change almost is just pimple and numb to it, and we hear a lot of that. They just go, oh, they roll their eyes. Oh, it's another change program running through. It's another change system. It's an, oh, we've seen it all before. I think that is the biggest challenge we face, is changing and going away, yet people are sick to death of it already.
0: Yeah, so when you do your speaking, I notice you do quite a bit of motivational speaking, uh, is yes. there any particular topic that's most requested? Change. <laughs> How do we do change better? Yeah, okay. <laughs> of course. I actually walked straight into that one, didn't I? <laughs> you did. It was like a trap. <laughs> it was. I trapped myself.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, usually every briefing call, so you get a briefing call beforehand, you know, make sure you understand the audience. And I, literally, if I had money for every time I get on a call, I'm go, so our industry is facing a lot of change right now. Right. <laughs> I But it's the truth, and, you know, you. You, you have to laugh, in a way, but it just it absolutely... And that's what's terrifying as a parent. I've, I've got a 10-year-old, and it's just such a common question. Is We can't see things out, really. You know, we can guess, but we can't truly see that far. And we know that the rate of change... Um, our friend Anders, Norman Nielsen is, is uh, a speaker, and he had a great quote the other week, which was... Uh, Changes really fast, but it's the slowest it's ever going to be again.
0: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. good. Interesting. (laughs) Really, yeah, very thought provoking. Uh, um, And on that note, uh, if you're wanting to future proof yourself and your team and your kids, have a read of Forever Skills by Kieran Flanagan and Dan Gregory. And I'm assuming it's available where all great books are sold. It is. I know bookshops are disappearing,
2: yes. sadly, uh, but yes, in bookshops and obviously online
0: and for And if people want to continue the conversation with you, Kieran, they can find you on Twitter, they can find you on Facebook under the Impossible Institute. I'll certainly be following you and also on LinkedIn. In. Thank you once again for your valuable time and helping all business owners, business leaders, entrepreneurs, startups, anyone else that has got a business thought, help them future proof themselves, their team and their kids. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. We enjoy Bye. picking these brains here on taking care of business and we'll be right back with some more brain picking right after this.